Hey, welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. We are so happy to have you tune in for another incredible sermon. Let's tune in together. Thanks for joining us. My name is Brett. Uh, We're unpacking the truth and the reality of the Trinity, and there's a lot of mystery, and so we're learning to embrace the mystery, uh, the mystery while we dive deeper in knowledge and in faith. Today, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This is the second consecutive week on the Holy Spirit, week eight overall of the series. Uh, Let's start right here, though, in James 4, verse 8. James 4, verse 8 says, Come close to God, and God will come close to you. You. Other translations say, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, I have to say, as we've been journeying through this series, there's, there's been something that's been going on inside of me, and I can only describe it as a drawing near and a drawing close, but in an immense desire to draw even closer. Dr. Daryl W. Johnson would describe uh, the Trinity as the community at the center of the universe draws near to me. And I have to say, I feel like that's what my personal experience has been. I don't know about you, but there's a drawing in this season to draw closer, a drawing to know more, a drawing to to connect on a deeper level that as, as we've been unpacking the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, there's something inside of my spirit that just says, I, I want more, I wanna be in community with the community at the center of the universe. It's not a surprising that it says God's self-revelation is an invitation to relationship. That's been the premise of this whole series, that, that, that the Trinity is drawing us near to itself as we connect on a deeper level relationally. And, and, and there is another level. And the level that we're talking about is not just knowing about God, but being known by God. This is captured in uh, uh, Galatians 4, verse 9. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. There is a difference between knowing God and being known by God. We see this also uh, in the book of Matthew. In the book of Matthew 7, there's this this distinction. And as, as we've been going on this journey, I just can't shake this Picture. So this is Matthew 7, verse 21. We'll go to 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out our demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you get away from me you who break God's laws. So there is an implication of relationship. There's a difference between doing stuff for God and doing stuff with God. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and being known by Jesus. The crux of the matter is relationship, that I could hold on to the hand of the one who holds the world. Today, as we dive into this the subject of the Holy Spirit, we continue to unpack. Uh, last week, Nathan Finocchio, our guest, uh, did some, some incredible work in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, really painting uh, the responsibility of the church to build up, stir up, 
and cheer up. And today we're going to look more at who is the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be a lot of, lot of stuff here, a lot of content here. So be watching out for, uh, for extra stuff coming your way, a little bit more content that you can dig into this, okay? So when we're diving into this subject matter, particularly about the Holy Spirit, we need to understand that the word spirit is, is mentioned more than 800 times in scripture. So it's, it's important and crucial for us to understand how and why it's used. Now, we have one word, but there's actually two words that represent this thought in their original languages. In the Old Testament, uh, written largely in Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word is ruach, and it literally means a violent exhalation, a blast of breath, a strong wind. Uh, we find this, this very word used in the second verse of the Bible. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Just imagine, maybe you've been to a lake at night and the wind picks up and it was calm like glass and all of a sudden there's a ripple in a wave and those shores hit the beach, the waters hit the beach. New Testament, the word is actually pneuma, and it's a similar type of breeze. It conveys a breath or a wind, a current of air, a strong breeze. It's usually translated spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit, the spiritual friend who comes alongside us and empowers us with God's presence. So this, the spirit or the pneuma breath gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you are spirit or pneuma breath and they are life. That's John 6, 63. Jesus is describing the spirit breath, the, light, the breath in our lungs is what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Breath is the very breath of God. I think about the creation account of Adam and Eve and God put breath into the created being. We live in the common grace of God, the breath of God gives us life, literally and spiritually. We discover that the Holy Spirit gives us life. A uh, number of years ago, I was uh, working downtown Edmonton and I had to go to a meeting and I, and I, and this meeting got moved from a few different places. And so I was trying to get there as quickly as I could. And I was running in the streets downtown, trying to make it on time because I hate being late for meetings. Like there's nothing that I hate worse than being late for a meeting. Like it's the worst feeling in the world to be late. And, and I get to this office building to get up to these government offices and there's some security and I go through security in times of the essence. And the shortest way to get to that meeting spot is to go up the stairs. And so I just take a look at him. I said, we got this, and I just ran up those stairs as fast as I could. Now, I made it into the waiting area just before the meeting was supposed to start, and they were wait I was there waiting for a moment or two, but I was trying to catch my breath. You know, you're sitting in the, in the waiting room, and you're, like, and you're just like hoping, you're trying to keep it natural, though, so nobody really knows. You're like, you know, just like really, they're bringing, you know, they offered me some water and I definitely accepted that. And then I get into the meeting and I'm hoping that there's a longer preamble without them asking me questions. But the person that was hosting the meeting had a very short introduction. They said, hey, Brett, what do you think? And so now I'm on the spot and I'm trying to talk through being out of breath 
without anybody noticing. That's not, that's not a good idea. Everyone's going to notice that you're just taking a breath just in between your normal points and trying to be totally healthy and a normal human being. And the truth is I need to run a whole bunch more stairs to be a healthier human being. But there's nothing worse than being out of breath. And even worse, there's nothing like being out of breath and trying to pretend like everything's okay. I am convinced that most of us are living out of breath all the time. We don't even know it or realize it. And if we do, we're just trying to normalize it. Come on, somebody, normalize living out of breath. And I'm here to suggest today that we need to normalize the breath of God breathing life into you every day, every moment, and every season. Both Ruach and Numa, the original language, carries a sense of force and active living energy that blows in and brings life. And this is exactly what the Holy Spirit came to do, to breathe new life into us, to breathe new life into us. Let's uh, look at a quote. Charles Finney, uh, incredible pastor evangelist, he says it like this. The Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. Let me introduce you today to the Holy Spirit. His identity is so often mistaken and misunderstood, so it's important that we can grasp who he is and the role that he plays in our lives. These are gonna come fast, they're gonna come quick, but I wanna introduce you to the Holy Spirit. The first thing that we need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is God. In fact, the words spirit and God are used interchangeably uh, in the New Testament. A great example of this is actually in the book of Acts. Dramatic moment, dramatic story um, when Ananias and Sapphira actually lying to God, lying to the apostles. And in Acts chapter five, uh, Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. After selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. <laughs> you were not lying to us, but to God. Earlier, he says, you lied to the Holy Spirit. Later, he says, you lied to God. It's the interchangeability of these words that we're capturing from this example right here. That in the New Testament, the words Holy Spirit and God are interchangeable. The Holy Spirit is God. Francis Chan puts it like this. This is vital to remember. When we forget about the Spirit, we are really forgetting God. <laughs> when we forget about the Holy Spirit, we really are forgetting God. First thought, the Holy Spirit is God. Second thought, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. When we act, interact with the Holy Spirit, we're relating to a person. We're not catching a cold bug or a flu, okay? We're interacting with a person. It's not just something that comes. It's, it's not even a something. It's a who. We can, we can see this in uh, John 14, 17. Uh, we read that the Spirit dwells with you 
and will be in you. This calls us to relationship with the Spirit instead of allowing us to think that we can treat the Spirit as a power to be harnessed in order to accomplish our own purposes. The Holy Spirit is a person who has personal relationships with not only believers as we have seen, but also with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is a person. He is not a commodity. He is not a commodity. Uh, We actually find in the scriptures, there's this moment where, where this guy, Simon, he's a sorcerer, actually tries to buy or acquire the power that the apostles are demonstrating. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. They said, listen, you can't not buy him. He is not a commodity. He is a person. Think about it this way. Consider Jesus' words to his disciples about the spirit of truth. This is John 14, 17. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is a person who wants to relate to us personally. And as we build on the theme of the Holy Spirit as a person, we also discover that the Holy Spirit has emotions. That's right. I don't know about you, but that kind of seems almost like ungodlike for God to have emotions, except when you begin to understand that God created emotions and were made in his image. So that really makes sense that God would have emotions. We have emotions and he made them and he knows how to use them the right way. Um, and this is where we usually see this, places like Isaiah 63, 10, where we talk about grieving the spirit, but they rebelled against him and grieved his spirit. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Often this language is, is around grief, the grieving of the Holy Spirit, that, that we can bring pain to this person who wants to have relationship with us. Our actions and our behaviors can bring the Holy Spirit grief and pain. In his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan describes it like this. The spirit is grieved when there is a breach in relationship, whether it be relationship with God or relationship with other people, when we are disunified, unloving, hateful, jealous, gossipy, etc. And there is a lot of etc. That is when we grieve the spirit of God. We know this from our time together last week, Nathan Finocchio, when we talk about the messed up nature of the Corinthian church. And they embodied all of those characteristics of disunity, unloving, jealousy, gossipy, striving to be the center of attention. Um, And yet the grace of God, while he's grieved because of his goodness, he forgives us. He doesn't cancel us. I'm so thankful Jesus hasn't canceled me. I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit hasn't canceled me because God knows that time and time again, I've screwed things up and I've, and I've made mistakes, but he, he forgives us. He doesn't cancel us out. And so Corinthian church, while they're a hot mess and a dumpster fire of a church, they're also extremely gifted because of the goodness of God and he gives than the gifts. So the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit also means that it gives him an opportunity to forgive us and he's faithful in his forgiveness of you and for me and his goodness and his mercy. Next one, the Holy Spirit is praying for you. (laughs) This is the mind-blowing emoji. 
Romans 8, 27 says, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We might find ourselves in situations where we don't know what to pray or how we should pray, but we can take confidence in the fact that the Holy Spirit knows our hearts and the will of God, and he is always interceding on our behalf. I'll also interject right here that this is the power of speaking in tongues as well, that we don't always know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit praying in us, through us, uh, accomplishes these plans and and he's praying in alignment with God's will. Your kingdom come, your will be done. He's praying along the will of God. So when you don't know what to say, speaking in tongues uh, in a personal uh, prayer language is a powerful gift because it brings the Holy Spirit into your situation even when you don't necessarily know what to say or how to handle it. Last thing I want to say in this introduction of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. (laughs) I'll say it one more time. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Now, we can put some really basic words around it. We would say that the Holy Spirit is all-powerful. We find that in Zechariah 4, verse 6. We would say that the Holy Spirit is present everywhere, Psalm 139, 7 to 8, and that he is all-knowing, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10, respectively. He is all of those things. I think about the power and the majesty and the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit. When we think about the Trinity, I think the reason why there's this drawing in in the, whole, in, in the Lord by the power of the Holy Spirit, I feel like I'm on this journey of him drawing me closer, saying there's so much more for you, son. And I feel like, and I hope that the same thing is happening for you, that there's just like, man, I, I just, I want more of God. I want the fullness of God at work in my life. And there's this majesty in awe and wonder that happens. And I just can't help but think of Isaiah 40, verse 13. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Who can fathom it? He's so big. He's so huge. He's large. Okay, those are the things I wanted you to know about the Holy Spirit. I want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit, but I've got 10 things that I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. So I introduce you to the Holy Spirit, and I've got 10 things that I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. And these are gonna be pretty rapid fire, okay? So if you're taking notes, this is a great time. I've got a whole bunch of Bible verses. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is, uh, this is what you need to know today about the Holy Spirit. 10 things that I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. Uh, wherever you are, turn to somebody and say, let's go! That's right, let's go. 10 things I want you to know about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit gives you the words. We find this in Mark 13, uh, 11 and Luke 12, 12. The, the Spirit helps us speak when we are in precarious situations and we need to bear witness. In other words, he gives us the words to say when we don't have the words to say it, particularly when it's in the manner of defending our faith or sharing our faith. Number two, the Holy Spirit teaches us and reminds us. The counselor, that's one way to describe the Holy Spirit, teaches and reminds us of what we need to know and remember. He is our comforter, our advisor, our encourager, and our strength, and he guides us in the way that we should go. You can find this in Psalm 143, verse 10. John, chapters 14 through 16, Acts 9, 31 
Acts 13, Acts 15, 1 Corinthians 2, and 1 John 5. Number three, the Holy Spirit turns the lights on. When he fills us, the Spirit enables us to be more effective in reaching people. The Holy Spirit's job is to give us the words to speak as we witness. We may be timid, we might be afraid, we might be nervous, but, but we're to find our voice and to allow the Holy Spirit to inspire us and to lead us. There's that, that inspirational thought. You know, someone might say, hey, Easter's coming. Who are you thinking about inviting to church? And, and just out of nowhere, it's like you see this face. Or maybe you didn't think about it that much, but you just get this impression on your heart that you're supposed to pick up the phone. The Holy Spirit turns the lights on. He begins to inspire us as he says, listen, I'm gonna draw that person in. You know, Shayla Visser uh, is the head of Alpha Canada. She talks about evangelism and she says, really, evangelism is just us joining the conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with that person. So you being inspired is actually Jesus leading you and opening the door and saying, come on, I've teed this up. Why don't you walk through this door? Let's walk through these friend, with these friends, with these neighbors. And you don't have to do the heavy lifting. He's already done it for you. Number four, the Holy Spirit breaks chains. Sorry, I should actually give you the Bible verses for the Holy Spirit turns the lights on. Acts 1 verse 8, Romans 8, 26, and Ephesians 3 verse 16 to 19. Number four, the Holy Spirit breaks Chains, the Holy Spirit sets us free from the sins that we cannot get rid of on our own. Come on, somebody. Our, our flesh is weak. The Holy Spirit helps to break the chains of the things that we can't get rid of on our own. This is, in many ways, for, this is a lifelong process. God has the power and he does this to break addiction and break the chains of things in our lives that are holding us down. But he also gives us the power to, to be transformed and to walk us through that process in, in a process known as sanctification. You can find this idea in Romans 8 verse 2. He even changes the way we think about it, the way we process about it. We think like Jesus, act like Jesus. He's changing us and transforming us. The Holy Spirit though has the power to break the chains. You might be watching this today and say, man, I've got some things that I'm wrestling with. Have you given up? Have you surrendered it? Have you given it to Jesus? Because I'll tell you this, if you hold on to it, if you hold on to it, he will honor that choice. If you let it go and surrender and you say, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will you break this? And you submit that thing to him. He has the power to break those chains. Number five, the Holy Spirit declares our relationship status. This is Romans 8, 15 and 16. Through the Spirit, we've received a spirit of adoption as children, which leads us into intimacy with the Father. Instead of a relationship based on fear and slavery, the Spirit bears witness to us that we are his children. It's an internal cry out confirming our relationship status. Number six, the Holy Spirit convicts. He reveals our true condition to us. Not in a way that condemns us, but in a way that helps us to admit the truth <laughs> and to remain connected to God by con confessing and embracing his forgiveness. He gently stirs our consciences and makes us aware of what is true and what will please our Father. This is John 16. Unless I go away, the counsel will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world. The Holy Spirit's role is to put the spotlight on areas of our lives where sin hides in. That's John 16 and 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. 
Number seven, the Holy Spirit sets us free. The Spirit brings life and freedom. That's Romans 8, 10 to 11 and 2 Corinthians 3. Number eight, the Holy Spirit is the best teacher. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher. Think about John 14, 26. He says, listen, I'm gonna send this counselor. I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. It's better if he comes. It's better if I go and if he comes and he will remind you of everything I said to you. Think about this for a moment. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Again, he inspired and directed the writing of each book and he knows how to bring each verse into our everyday lives and he reveals the truth to us. He is the best teacher who leads us into all truth because he inspired it in the first place. He knows it better than any person could ever know it. That was his breath. Number nine, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. And I love this language. I've actually never heard this language around the spiritual gifts. Um, It does come from Francis Chan in his book, Forgotten God, incredible book on the Holy Spirit. He says, as members of God's kingdom community or the body or the family, each of us is given a manifestation of the Spirit in our lives. So he's talking about a spiritual gift for the purpose of the common good. See, I think when we think about spiritual gifts, we think about it for the good of us. But that spiritual manifestation is given to you by God and he chose to give it to you. It says, according to his will, he, he, uh, he portioned and appropriated to you. Meaning he gave it to you according to his will, but he didn't give it to you for you. He gave it to you for the common good, for the body. We all have something to offer because of what the Holy Spirit gives to us. Number 10, The Holy Spirit transforms. The Holy Spirit transforms. We think about the Holy Spirit being our sanctifier in 2 Corinthians 3. In Galatians 5, it's this fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of being led by the Spirit of God. It it includes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Like all these amazing attributes. And and the truth is there's all these amazing attributes that are available for everybody. But the incredible thing about the Holy Spirit is that he's going to bring those things out in, in you. Even those of us whose personality, let's be honest, some of us don't have uh, the most optimistic of personalities. And, and he brings out those God flavors in your life because he's literally changing you to reflect your father. And that happens through the Holy Spirit. So the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit at work in your life, the evidence that God is working in you, through you and around you, the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We put a big emphasis on tongues, which is an outward evidence, the initial evidence. But the evidence that we can see is these characteristics and they are to be equally desired. Love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attitudes and actions will characterize our lives as we allow ourselves to be grown and molded by the Holy Spirit. Something that happens when the Holy Spirit enters our lives is that there is a big change. I think the biggest change that we can see is actually happens in Acts 2. The Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. That uh, comes from Joel, this prophetic word in the book of Joel. And then in, Act, in Joel 2 and then in Acts 2, it happens. 
Jesus left his disciples some instructions. He said, listen, wait, go to Jerusalem and wait, and this helper is going to come. The Holy Spirit is going to come. Now, they didn't know what to, they were waiting for. They just knew to go and wait. But that's what you do when somebody dies on a cross and then is resurrected from the dead and then ascends into heaven on a cloud in front of you. You just do what they say because that's the nature of following Jesus and following God that if, listen, yeah, I'm just gonna do whatever you say. So they go and wait for this unknown thing. We don't necessarily even know exactly what they're doing in that room. It was an upstairs room. They were just waiting. And all of a sudden there was a suddenly, a suddenly of God when the power of God came and the Bible describes it as like tongues of fire. It looks like it's like fireball on everyone's heads and they fill out, spill out into the street and everyone in the street it actually says that they think they were they thought they were drunk and he says no no we're not drunk it's too early in the morning and they all started speaking out in different languages and the whole crowd the whole crowd could understand and there's all these people gathered from all these cultures and all these countries uh, because of the festival that they were celebrating and they all heard this incredible message and Peter stands up bold as a lion and he just starts preaching this message like this bold message now contrast that with Peter without the Holy Spirit. Peter, with the Holy Spirit, is standing in the face of judgment. People are condemning him to be drunk. He says, listen, be quiet. I'm not drunk. I'm here to give you the truth. I'm here to give you the business. And he speaks with sharp words and bold tones. Contrast that to Peter following Jesus to his uh, trial. We could call it that. And he's standing outside a fire, warming his hands. And a little servant girl comes up to him and says, I think maybe you were with Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 I wasn't. And he denies Jesus three times. He was in many ways a bold, brash coward. But when the Holy Spirit comes, boldness comes because the Holy Spirit empowers us and gives us boldness and courage so that we could introduce others to him. These are the words in Acts 2, 38, 39, Peter preaches. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. He says, each one of you must repent of your sins, turn to God. So turn away from your way, turn towards God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Will you search for him, God, three in one, wholeheartedly. Because if you do with your whole heart, you will find him. He wants to be found by you. Even that verse, draw near to him and he'll draw near to you. I think it actually speaks to, our, to us on a level of our self-awareness that we become aware of him and he appears like out of nowhere, like, oh, you were here all the whole time. Yeah, the truth is he's been close this whole time. And Psalm 23 describes it, that his goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. You just stop, turn around. That's the whole idea of repenting is that you turn away from your way and you turn to his way. 
<laughs> so that you stop, you turn, you go, oh, his goodness and mercy is here. He's right here. God's right here. If we press pause on our lives and we stop for just a moment and realize that God wants to do life with us, but we've been trying to do life for God to, to know about him and do it for him. And he wants to be known by you and do it with you. So will you repent, be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit? That is God's plan for you. You want to know the next step. Our next step is to repent, to be baptized, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He, being the Holy Spirit, is God's blast of breath inside of you, empowering you and guiding you to your truest self and your most abundant life. If you want fresh air in your life, let him be your friend. It's that simple. If you're tired of living like you're always out of breath, don't normalize living out of breath. Normalize living with the breath of God. Repent be baptized, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, thank you so much for listening in on the Saints Church Podcast. Be sure to tune in next time and enjoy the rest of your day.